You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Tyler Bingham, and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. We're continuing our coverage of the Slam Dance Film Festival today, um, 2021 virtual festival. You can get a ticket, a virtual ticket for $10, which gives you access on demand to the entire festival from February 12th through the 25th. Um, today we're talking to Jack Dunphy, who has a short at the festival. It's called Revelations, and I'm going to read the log line. It says, a high school filmmaker wins the heart of a troubled young woman only to lose her in the course of a harrowing psychedelic experience that forces him to confront life truths that are at once beautiful and painful. This was a, this was an awesome film, hilarious, uh, painfully sad, had a lot of heart, but, um, just an incredible piece of work here. Jack has some other short films that you could find online. Um, one is called Chekhov. One is called Serenity. Definitely, definitely check those out. He's also written some feature films, um, which you can find on movie, movie or Amazon Prime. We have Stinking Heaven and The Great Pretender, which he worked on both of those with Nathan Silver. So definitely check those out. Um, had a great time talking to Jack. It's a full episode. So without further ado, let's get to Jack Dunphy, talk about his short film Revelations and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> First off, I, I loved I loved the film you have here at Slam Dance this year. Uh, Revela- Revelations, incredible. Uh, I I'm always I'm always nervous when when people reach out and and send me their stuff because I like I really want to like everything. Uh, but this was like it was so easy to like. I mean, I, I rewatched it multiple times, and um, I have a buddy who has a podcast out out of Los Angeles, and you know, I sent it to him too, and he was digging it. So. We cool. loved your short, love your short films. Um, I yeah, didn't get man. a ch- I didn't get a chance to see the stuff on uh, Amazon Prime, um, but I'm definitely that's the next step because um, I'm definitely a fan at this point. Well, I really appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, so maybe you could just tell me, you know, a bit about your background, where you're from originally, and how you got interested in film, and um, yeah, go. For yeah, it. I'm from Chicago. Um, South side of Chicago. Uh, I was always interested in film. I mean, I was always making films. It's not not something I thought about. Um, you know, the whole debate about digital versus film is so relevant to me because I, I always think, you know, it was because of these uh, consumer cameras, these little digital cameras uh, that allowed kids like me to have a childhood, you know? That's how I express myself. That's how I work things out. And um, it's it's always been that way um so i've just it's been kind of a straight line i've taken a lot of detours um in other areas of my life but in terms of what i wanted to do uh it's always been film great and then so uh like with the i know in the one uh, one of the films i i forget which one it was i don't know if it was the one that we're uh, discussing today, but with the, with the girlfriend and how you got her interested, or you got her, you basically got her because you you made her your actress, and that's how right. you con- connected with her. Um, so, 
as far as like the animation i'm, I'm kind of curious about how that when that came about because it sounds like you just i mean i did the same thing growing up you know shot on you know a high eight millimeter tape and that was what you know right that was how i connect with people as yeah. well and c connected with girls and it, you know it worked so i wasn't yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah. Uh, but the the animation I thought was like I love the animation. So uh, have you Thanks. always been doing that doing that as well, or is that um, just as you started submitting things and doing stuff more on a um, you know professional adult level? Well, I always drew, uh, made comics. I did teach myself how to animate uh, when I was a kid on Flash, uh, which is two D animation. But I sort of forgot about it. I. I didn't have any interest in doing it. I didn't think about it until I was in college. Uh, my professor, Kaveh Zahedi, uh, who you might know, a uh, great filmmaker. I am a sex addict, um, you know, those, uh, a lot of great movies. And uh, he was my teacher. And he, um, we had to make a personal documentary every week uh, in his class. And one of the assignments was to make a documentary about shame using animation. And I just was like, Oh, I know how to do that. You know, it just, I just remembered that I knew how to do that. And uh, cutout stop motion seemed really self explanatory uh, from South Park and the Terry Gilliam um, Monty Python cartoons, uh, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I, you know, I've, I, I've never actually watched that much Monty Python, but, you know, just seeing a few seconds of those shorts, I um, could tell uh, how it was made. Um, for the most part, I mean, in the, the simplest way, I mm -hmm. just on a practical level, I was like, oh, I know how to, I think I know how to do that. I think, or at least I can teach myself. And so that's how the stop motion cutout thing came about. And the first thing that I put out there, Serenity is pretty crude. Um, I've come to like it a little more now, just cause I can look back and, you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, you know, the first thing that got out there and you can see, uh, a person learning how to animate as they go. If you, if you look at uh, my movies um, from the beginning onward and I've just, you know, began honing that, uh, that medium, you know, of, of stop motion. And I've done some 2d stuff too, that I'm not quite as fond of. I'm doing a 2d thing now um, because uh stop motion is a fucking pain in the ass and you know i have enough stop motion i have enough i have enough stop motions projects already in the in the works so um i'm doing a, a strictly comedic thing for the first time just using 2d animation with my co-animator gus federici who um worked a lot on this short revelations he did the backgrounds and all that okay. kind of stuff cool yeah no it, it is cool because after i watched revelations i went back and watched uh um, check off and, and serenity mm -hmm. and it, it is like I, I i guess i hadn't thought about um seeing you because i didn't know the dates off the top of my head when of when they were released so i didn't know um i was just watching these shorts and i, I think what what you have really going for you is like the storytelling element and um the the comedic timing is just on point because it, it could be you know just even audio and, and I would I would have been fascinated and really laughing so I, th I think just uh even if like you would consider the early stuff more crude which you know I, I don't know if I would necessarily but um it it works and it just like I don't know if I'm if that makes any sense but the the comedy is there and um 
just the illustrations complement it in a way that you know i know we're all harder on ourselves on our own work when we look back on it but man, right. it, it's it's great stuff oh thanks man yeah thank you i wish i could be uh funnier now i'm i uh i told myself i would i would do it right this time i got in trouble with the breeze i don't know if that's a radio show or a podcast or whatever oh, no. the fuck but i i like I've been getting the time difference wrong between New York and Chicago. I, you know, I've actually been scared about my memory and general loopiness, but I was smoking pot in late into the night with a girl. Not that I do that all the time, but I just happened to be doing that this last Saturday. And I woke, mm -hmm. I thought the interview was 11. And so I got a phone call at 10 AM. Hey Jack, what's up? You know, uh, what's going on, buddy? And I'm like, Oh, who is this? Uh, all right. You're on the breeze, buddy. Remember oh, you no. reached out to me and I was like, oh, okay, okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry, man. And I and I got on and he just was so he just had that hostile look of like a radio guy that's been up since 4 a.m. And just like <laughs> the vein coming out of his forehead. And the first thing he said, he was like, <laughs> I didn't get out of bed, did I? And he literally did. But I was like, no, no, of course not. And he was like, all right, man. OK, so we're going to go for 10 minutes. If it goes well, maybe we'll do a little longer. And I was like, okay. He's like, okay, welcome back. You're on the breeze with uh, Jay. And I was like, I think this is a podcast. So why are you fucking acting like it's some, you know? And then he just cuts me off after three minutes. I mean, I know I was doing poorly, but it was clearly a fuck you. Like him telling me we'll do 10 minutes and then like three minutes. It's like, okay, you're, you're done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fuck off kid. You know, uh, I hope it's a radio program with the, with the breeze i mean that's a yeah that's, he had to go into weather after that or something <laughs> yeah. hey well those are there's your next short film i think that would right. <laughs> be a <Yeah>. great one <laughs> um well so i've talked to a couple of filmmakers um with who have films at slam dance this year and then i did i did sundance this past week and a half or so and um i really i, I love the way slam dance is doing it because it, it is making it much more accessible to to everybody really i think this would have been um you and me alike probably if we, you know when we were teenagers having access to a film festival like on your computer for 10 bucks i mean like come on yeah. that would have been that would have been incredible so i think like the it, it's just awesome that they're able to make it accessible where you know i, I love other film festivals but it is not even even online is you know it's like 500 bucks if someone wants to just come in if they're not press and um watch the films which is not like someone who's young and, and hungry for you know watching that stuff it's it's just not gonna happen um so i, I love the way that they're making it accessible and my, my point is like so many more people are gonna see everyone's films including yours at this festival yeah hopefully um, yeah i i think so definitely because i i mean i'm i'm trying to sell it as much as i can and i you know i don't work for slam dance but <laughs> it's just uh it's just an incredible thing they're doing. I mean, it, it sucks that we're not able to go up there and, and you know do the do the thing up there at the the, the treasure inn, but um, hey, it's uh I think I think in the end it may help film festivals like adapt some of the stuff that is maybe not working so much and it you know your people's films go there and especially with shorts like I've seen so many good shorts at both Sun, Sundance and Slam Dance over the years and yeah. they just kind of disappear you know well yeah eventually the you know the short lives online and then hopefully in the future somehow they'll they'll find a way to still be around and however we're watching things in the future hopefully right. not on devices that are smaller uh than our pinky nail but oh my god yeah <laughs> um 
What'd you say? The Treasure Inn or something? I think it's I think it's called the Treasure Inn, the hotel that they do it up at um at the at the end of the street on Main Street. Oh, is that like yeah? I've never been in Slam Dance before. Okay. I accepted award an award for the grand jury prize for a movie called Tired Moonlight. I think it was called. Uh-huh. I had never seen the movie. I barely knew Brittany West, the director, but she couldn't be there, and we had worked on Stinking Heaven together. And uh, she just called me and was like, "Would you? Ex- I think I'm gonna win. So can you just go there and accept the award?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I went there and I was like, "Oh, I think everyone's having a better time here than." I was at Sundance at the time. I mean, not to put Sundance down, but you no, know, it, was yeah. a much, it was a much looser atmosphere and everyone's make going up there and their speeches are funny and everyone's making mm. jokes and it's this grand old time. And then I get up there, I'm the closing act because I have to accept the best film, you know, and I just was like, um, I'm sure Brittany would be pr- up. She'd be proud. You know, I'm like 21 years old. And I just like brought the room down, brought the energy down. And I was like, immediately, I was like, I should have made a joke. I should have done something to, keep, you know, keep the energy going. But that's, that's my funny. entire experience with slam dance thus far. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've gone, I, I'm, so I live, I live in Salt Lake. So I, I, I've gone up every year often from the better part of 20 years. I've gone up since I was a teenager and yeah. um it's been it's been cool to see it because slamness has pretty much stayed the same which is is cool I, and that's like purposely done that way um whereas um sun and i love sundance like you know like anybody else but it is it's expanded and expanded and park city itself has like gotten too way too crowded um right and so and then the films spill into salt lake city even so for better or for worse, it's just a, it doesn't have that small fill is what what I'm getting at, where I think at Slam Dance you are able to, you know, meet some cool people. Um, it's yeah. very manageable because there's only two rooms for screening. Um, right. But yeah, it's a no, they, they send you out pretty far at Sundance. You get on you get in that van or the, the bus mm-hmm. or wherever. And you... Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm convinced I got COVID there last year. I'm, I'm, oh, really? I'm almost, almost positive. Uh, <laughs> it was the last the last couple of days up there and i felt horrible i had one interview and i canceled it at one earlier in the day and that guy that filmmaker was sick too so i reached yeah. out to him months later I'm like hey did you do you think you you had it he's like i'm pretty sure i had it right because like, it's like it's, it's the biggest petri dish <laughs> you can possibly yeah. go to yeah right i think i had it last january as well oh shit yeah, because it was like, what? What is this? This has right. got to be worse than a regular flu. And mm-hmm. I actually went to a motel. You know, I think I was instinctively uh, quarantining. You know, like my body was telling me you can't be around people right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know, I'm like a cat or something. I have to die under the porch or something. <laughs> they did they go under the porch to have kittens and die, or is it one or the other? I think you know both <laughs> roger roger miller said that songwriting is like uh having kittens you just go into the porch and do it yourself <laughs> and that's how that's how i approach most of what i do so i don't know if they go under there to die as well but i don't know i don't know how i got started on this that's great <laughs> um so i i did want to ask because i mean i haven't seen them yet but I, I am really interested in seeing uh the feature films that you've you've been involved um writing um, maybe you could talk a bit about those and direct people who who are seeing revelations here at Slamdance, um, direct them to your to your feature work. 
Sure. Um, Nathan Silver is a director and um, he came to my class. Actually, Cave was uh, taught this class where, you know, a big auditorium, you'd show in contemporary independent cinema, the directors would come in, show their movie, Cave would antagonize them, you know, and he, or whatever he did. Um, Nathan walked in the door and he had a, a scarf and I knew he had gone to NYU. And I was just like, I hate this guy immediately, you know, <laughs> but, but then he showed his movie soft in the head. And uh, I was just like, I'm going to go up to this guy where, you know, usually after every class, the, the students would, they would flock to the, whoever the director was just, be, just to talk to them and who knows, try to get work or whatever they, they wanted to do. I just was always like, I'm above that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But Nathan, I was like, I love this movie. I'm talking to this guy. And I was just like, Hey man, you know, anything you need, I'll do for free. Um, and he's like, okay, cool. And, um, as soon as he saw my shorts, he just was like, you want to write a movie? It was like the second time we'd ever hung out. And, uh, that, that was stinking heaven, uh, which is a movie about a cult that, uh, drug addicts go to. I'm actually scrambling to remember what that movie's about. <laughs> um, uh, so that got that movie is shot on a VHS camera. It got a little bit of attention at the time. The that's grown a little bit. I think it's it's almost kind of like a midnight movie at this point. I think it 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 might become uh, a bit of a a midnight. I think it's going to have um, staying power. Um, and I'm I don't I'm not like putting I'm not, I'm not uh, bragging or anything because I you know. I don't know how much I really had to do with that movie. I'm just now allowing myself to take some credit for it, but really that was Nathan's vision and um, Adam Ginsberg who shot it and uh, all the actors, Keith Paulson, uh, Hannah Gross, um, so many others. Um, then The Great Pretender uh, was scripted and I wrote the script and that was Nathan's first scripted movie. All of his other movies are improvised. So Whereas Stinking Heaven, I just wrote the outline with Nathan. You know, that's just structural stuff. You just write bullet point what's going to happen in the scene. Great Pretender was scripted, for real scripted, you know. And um, that was uh, a learning curve for everyone. Um, you know, first time I had written a feature script that actually got made. And uh, it was intended to be a television show for brick tv that's how we sold it and i never thought it was going to work as a show you know i immediately was like this is going to work better as a movie but it needed to be written as a show so i wrote each it basically takes place in five chapters Mm. uh four chapters sort of in a Rashomon kind of style you know it's the same event happening from different perspectives of the four characters then the fifth chapter is the play that the protagonist who's a playwright is putting on um and I wrote those five scripts um and turned them in as if they were episodes secretly knowing that I wanted them to connect but I also, in case that wasn't going to happen, which I, you know, I had no idea uh, if I was going to get my way, you know, um, I wrote those scripts with buttons and subplots and side characters and all the stuff that you would associate with television writing. Mm -hmm. And then once we realized this had to be a movie, it just wasn't going to work as a miniseries or whatever. 
um, all those side characters, all those subplots, all those buttons, you know, the little thing that ends an episode that, you know, gives it that little thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, all that got stripped away. And um, that's how The Great Pretender happened. Cool. So I think um, and maybe I'm, I think I'd noticed Stinking Heaven is on movie currently. Oh, yeah. I think then, uh, the, um, great, the Great Pretender is too. It's on Amazon. The Great Pretender's on Amazon. Probably. No, I know, but I think it's on Mubi too because I someone yeah. told me they're doing the 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 work of Sean Price Williams. <laughs> like you know, it's like what the fuck? I don't remember Sean in the in the fucking writers or you know whatever. I don't know. That's me being bitter and crazy. Sean did a great <laughs> job, uh, as he always does. But yeah, That's so it. that that was a, an interesting thing working with Nathan and Sean, who like I didn't even realize these film kids are like obsessed with that guy. Like he's like the, they're their hero or something. They're indie god. They're indie <laughs> god. It's like I just, he's just this like you know. I mean, no, no, he's he's a. I don't. I, I guess I should stop speaking. No, I mean, I, yeah, no, I get it. Like it's a, it's funny when you when you know someone, right? And you see how they're perceived. I mean, they're great. You love them, yeah. And they're and they're talented and, and hardworking, but then you you see how other people react, and it's very. Um, it can be uncomfortable <laughs> it's just funny and now yeah. you see that with nathan and um he's a little more gracious about it uh than sean. i think sean just kind of fucks with people he's <laughs> he's accepted uh, i think gladly accepted his rock star persona status uh in that the little incestuous nyc <laughs> bubble fuck i don't know which actually i think you just heard a little bit of my cynicism when um which I, I'm trying to rise above. I'm trying to, you know, I don't like the idea of making cynical work for the sake of being cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when the reviews came out for The Great Pretender, almost all of them, even the positive reviews were mentioned how cynical it was. And I was like, at the time I was like, but I put so much of myself in these characters and I love these characters and that's a misreading of it. And But now looking back, I see the cynicism and I see a little bit of me venting um, and sort of presenting this sort of weird clickish New York white Brooklynite arts mm-hmm. com- clicky community and which I never felt like I was a part of um, I always felt like I was on the outside looking in and so you know as I have for most of my life so I looking back I can see that the humor is pretty cynical and the worldview is a bit bleak um, and I look back at that movie. I don't watch what I've done before, but uh, occasionally if I see a clip or something, I'm like, yeah, I was in a kind of a dark place when I wrote that. And I wasn't really at peace with New York. And I didn't really like the scene that I found myself in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think a good dose of cynicism, that's the stuff I'm drawn to. You know, I, I, I never well, yeah. get people like, oh, it's so cynical. I'm like, well, that's that's great. <laughs> well, yeah, some cynical humor and, you know, um, irony in in doses is is great. Um, to be cynical or nihilistic for the sake of it, mm-hmm. I don't think is as interesting. I think somehow, you know, if you watch a lot of these late night cartoons, um somehow nihilism and hilarity are just intertwined in the, Mm -hmm. in people's minds now, you know, it has to nothing, you know, um, which I understand. I love giving a middle finger to um, culture and to trends and uh, 
you know, hypocrisy. It's it's great to have that rebellious spirit and that sort of punk spirit. But I think what makes something truly punk is if behind all that there is true heart. And I don't mean sentimentality because that's another form of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it it it's much more interesting if. I don't know, in my opinion, if what you're expressing can be m- many things at once, it can be angry, um, but it can also be sensitive and uh, humanistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of where I'm trying to go with what I do. No, I, I love it. I love it. And I, I totally get the New York thing. I mean, uh, I had a, a girl, ex-girlfriend, and um, this is around 2005. And so I'd go out to, she lived in Brooklyn Heights and and I had no idea what a hipster was at that point, or the right. the current the current incarnation of a hipster, I should say. And yeah. uh, and I like she took me to a bar and like they're getting buckets of Pabst Blue Ribbon. I'm like, this is what my alcoholic grandfather <laughs> drinks. <laughs> right. This is like really cool and expensive for Pabst, but uh, so it was just kind of interesting. And you're like, like definitely feeling, uh, like I do not fit in. I want to fit. I kind of want to fit in here, but I don't want to admit that I want to. And I definitely well, feel yeah. like an outsider. You want to be invited to the party so you can say no. Exactly. You know, I've always, you know, thought, you know, you, uh, no one wants to have integrity by default. You know? <laughs> um, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, that scene, you know, it's crazy. The, the levels of hipsters, Cause there's like a level one hipster, which is kind of what you're describing with the paps. <laughs> like, I don't know what the beer is now, Tecate or something. I don't know. But, and then there's like the level five hipsters, which is like <laughs> what you're seeing in the great pretender on screen and behind the camera, like the people who made it, you know, who are just like, look down on the junior hipsters who don't know that you have to be hate hipsters and then become a hipster again, but then hate the level three hipsters. And now you're deeper and deeper and deeper until you know, it becomes you're at the Metrograph and you've seen 10,000 movies and, you know, I, I don't know, you're you're getting hand jobs at the in the back of KGB <laughs> on the Lower East Side or, and, you know, talking about Fassbender. I don't know. Um, that's a level nine hipster. <laughs> that's a yeah. I mean, that's like a video game. Right? I play that video game right there. Oh, no, no, no. I played that video game a few times. You, all, you, all, you always lose. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> Am I yelling? Am I peeking? No, this is no. Sounds no? It's just right on. Yeah, okay. it's good. Um, I'm kind of curious what what you like, what kind of films and um, you know, writings and things like that you were interested in growing up, kind of coming into this. Like, what influenced well, you? Yeah. Um, early on, uh, you know, like uh, you know, because when you're a kid, you just like all movies. And then suddenly you, you discover that you have a specific taste and you like a certain kind of movie. And so I liked a movie that was thought provoking and also made me feel a lot. I, I still am an, an emotionalist. I don't know if that's a word, but I like to feel those big feelings. And so Charlie Kaufman movies made me feel that. And I, I recognized when it said written by Charlie Kaufman, I was like, well, he's responsible for the movie. I don't know who the fuck this Michelle Gondry guy is, you know, <laughs> but I, I, th- I thought about, you know, a writer as a, as a crucial part of the filmmaking process, which some people never until they're older, they don't even think about who writes the movie, you know, right. mm-hmm. depends on what your interest is, I suppose. Um, so him, um Wes Anderson when I was younger I always say Wes Anderson is like Star Wars for wallflowers you know 
Um, and then uh, high school, I was given a box set of Woody Allen films, I think by my dad or my, uh, my mom, I can't remember who, but you know, not the best gift for a depressed teen, but watching all of his films uh, in order and seeing the progression from the early comedies uh, and then he hits it, hits, you know, the, the, he, he blends the genres and, and uh, with Annie Hall. And then he goes, does interiors, the straight drama. And then he, he progresses and he, he locks into a visual style and he, he gets deeper and deeper into what he's interested in. And then of course, eventually it falls off and, you know, he, he, after a certain you know he's like it's like dylan you know it's like mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. after time out of mind you can you kind of check out but right um funny enough 1997 or 98 when that album came out i think is around when woody allen got bad too i don't know i've always well, compared i've always oh, compared those two guys i've always compared those two guys career i don't know if you're a dylan fan or not yeah no yeah i mean i'm definitely i'm a huge woody allen fan although i keep that to keep that I can't admit that to everyone these days. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How far do you take that? Are you like, right. I can't, P- Picasso's canceled, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I will say that I do have trouble watching the early comedies now and Annie Hall, like looking at his face. Mm-hmm. That can be a little like, ah, oh, man, fuck you, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, there's some of them, you know, that you just, cannot deny just their great movies oh yeah Yeah. and uh the influence on contemporary cinema and um television too i mean you can argue that he invented the modern romantic comedy um so his influence was immense uh especially with you know jumping in front of the camera and starring in my own stuff and Mm -hmm. um kind of playing a neurotic kind of you know like i you know like that's you know um and thinking that's uh you know in in revelations you see me with the big goofy glasses you know that's not how i actually looked i just i just thought that was what you do you know to be what yeah you do an annoying voice and you, you do a little nevish guy um then i got into world cinema you know bergman was a favorite abbas kiristami i remember when i saw taste the cherry it just blew the doors open that was a real really a religious experience after i saw that movie i was walking around just touching objects and just feeling the tactile uh feelings of inanimate objects and looking at the sky and just it really was a great moment of art uh breaking down the doors of reality a little bit and and helping you grow as a human being and not just a consumer of art or an artist um I think uh, I think Kiristami said I'm I'm not interested in film I'm interested in life mm-hmm. or something to that effect and I mm-hmm. I definitely know what he means um you know and Cassavetes makes a huge impact and uh but re- you know another moment where you go like oh fuck this is a whole other world is those those 70s movies I mean yeah. you know I mean starting for me with five easy pieces well I guess mm-hmm. the graduate in 67 or whatever that was but then oh my god five easy pieces you're a disgruntled young man and you know jack nicholson's telling the waitress to stick the egg between her knees or whatever you know (laughs) oh my god carnal knowledge um harold maude you know Mm -hmm. that that american new wave of the of the 70s definitely had a huge impact as well no you know yeah yeah go go on go on 
Oh no, I was just gonna say like I, I, you know, I, I get that it's amazing when you're when you're coming up and you like you said you like everything. You're just kind of like, oh, this is a movie. This is like gonna hold my attention. And then how you uh, start picking up on a, I like I like I like that actor. I like that guy. Oh, there's right. a name. I like that name. I like that soundtrack. You know, mm-hmm. and it just kind of like leads you into a certain direction, and it leads a lot of us into the same the same place. So it's cool to connect with people who um you know and it is like it's like it's a it's never ending i mean i'm i'm pushing 40 and i'm always i'm still finding stuff and i'm like i feel like i'm late to the game and i i like when i had that experience of feeling like everyone else knows about something and i'm like oh i didn't and then i had the whole like catalog to to jump into and that's a cool that's a cool well yeah i mean you stop growing you're dead right i mean that's the cliche uh but you know it's true um yeah, it's always great to find new avenues to go down. Um, first actor I really got into was was Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. How about yeah. you? Um, first actor, like like dramatic actor. I just mean because I had I I always enjoyed actors and mm-hmm. movies. I was as I said into Woody Allen, but in terms of like oh I'm now I'm seeing the artistry right. of a performer. I would say De Niro for me with Taxi really? Driver. That, that was when I started to be like, oh shit. Cause I'd seen him in, you know, like Meet I, the Fockers. So, exactly. So coming, uh, <laughs> coming yeah. back to it and being like, and I got really into film when um, uh, Blockbuster was still around. And I remember it coming oh, yeah. out, out of high school, they had some kind of pass where it was like, um, you could, at, at this one store, you could, you could check out one VHS tape at a time you could do unlimited it was like an unlimited thing you could do uh, but you could only have one at a time so i would after school i'd go to blockbuster pick up a new movie so i watched a movie a night doing it that way and then when netflix before it was you know the the thing it is today it was just like the mailing in the dvds yeah. and that's when i hit woody allen and i and I, did this, I did the same thing i watched everything that was available in order and it's like um and then it was like you know before algorithms took over our life they were starting to take over our life in netflix like that but it was leading me to all these different filmmakers like you may like john cassavetes i'm like oh who's that uh right. and then de niro so some people that i may have not thought of um and then going back and i you know i was kind of late to the godfather uh i'm stuff. i'm late to the godfather still i still really? have not finished uh, the godfather 2 i don't know i got distracted I love The Godfather um, too. That's I, I think I. Yeah. I mean, they're both incredible. Um, I do want to see the the code. Not to go off on in, the, in a different direction, but the Godfather coda. Because have you seen three? No. It's always like it's always <laughs> it doesn't count. Uh, right. Everyone hates three, and there's a reason for that. But he Coppola released. I don't know if you've seen that. Just in the last few months, Godfather coda. So it's like a re, it's a recut of Godfather three. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but I, I, curiosity is killing me. So I have, I, I got to see it. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, sure. Anyway. I was talking, I was, <laughs> I was, I was talking to a composer who, I mean, he's a musician, but he composes uh, a lot of Francis Ford Coppola's later films. And he said that hanging out with Francis Ford Coppola, he'll just occasionally say to someone, you know, you, you, you would like three, you should check it out, you know, like <laughs> just to like pe- people coming and going into his house. Like he casually mentions, I think you'd like three, you know, Thank you. <laughs> I think you'd like it. Um, who knows how, how true that story is, but I don't think like, it's like the worst movie, but when you have the first two, uh, is it, is it, 
bad better than Jack. His you remember <laughs> Coppola's Jack with Robin it, Williams? Yeah, I do remember that. It's um the kid who grows back grows oh no no he grows into an old man in like 20 years right i you know i know i i've seen jack but i must have like blocked it out it, it traumatized me or something because it's, it's a it's, dark it's fucking movie there. i remember the poster that's all i i have that in my mind and i know i saw it but it's like it's gone so yeah. but uh i don't know so yeah godfather 3 check it out <laughs> yeah sure yeah i love take, that take nothing else from this podcast i want I, I want that to be true that he does he will not well obviously he's not letting it go if he released you know 20 30 years later whatever it is like no it's it's really good yeah. you're just not getting it <laughs> right right but oh. yeah no but i would say de niro for sure like i think when i saw taxi driver it was just he scared me in it king I, of I, comedy I, man that might be I, my favorite oh my de niro performance that's yeah yeah that's that's incredible um so yeah i mean i think de niro is one of those guys he just he, he just he has too, too much stuff and then like i don't know if he says right. no or it's just everything's out there and he has the most incredible things like Ra raging bulls another one i sure. love him in and um but then he's in some yeah i love mean streets movies. i love mean streets because he hasn't quite locked into his persona yet mm -hmm. there's still he's kind of bouncing all over the place and he's more energetic he's more fast talking and he's just trying stuff out he's experimenting he's finding himself and scorsese's doing the same thing he hasn't locked into his thing yet so he's trying things on the fly he's doing crazy stuff and there's almost like jazz jokes in mean streets you know like the camera's yeah. gonna go one way and then it woof goes goes in another way <laughs> you know that's like a jazz joke you know like where he's like you think they're gonna play this note and then boom they play this note you know and uh, i love those er when you see artists early in their career and they're still messing around like with woody allen you know i love and death is one of my favorites you know because mm -hmm. he's still messing around bananas do you remember there's a sh there's a scene in bananas where he's talking to louise lazar in a park Mm -hmm. And he just, he gets every shot imaginable for a simple conversation on a bench. He's doing like Kurosawa, like God's <laughs> point of view, like ju just insane. Like, I'm, I don't know who, like the DP was like, really, you want me to fucking, <laughs> like, you want a crane for this? Like, all right, you know, so I love, and, and then of course he locks into his thing around Andy Hall. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I don't just, just, uh, just thoughts. Just random thoughts. No, no, it's good. I mean, it is, it's true. It's like when someone, um, the formula hasn't been locked in and not. It's like, it's like Nicholson. Like when I was saying how, in, how, in, you know, sort of drawn to him, I was in five easy pieces. You're seeing a guy who has not yet, um, you know, found his persona or his formula for being a leading man because he had that crazy false start of a career with all those B movies, those mm -hmm, Roger mm -hmm. Corman kind of things. And then he was out for a little bit and tried to be a screenwriter and then easy rider, you know, he's a supporting character, but really he's the heart of that movie. Mm -hmm. And then he gets easy rider and he hasn't quite locked into that, you know, like that, the, the Joker bullshit, you know, that yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. all he is, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's um, so yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see artists at the beginning of their career. Right. Before they they lock into their the caricature version of themselves. Exactly. It's almost like they're doing an impression of themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> like right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's cool. Um, how about how about books? I mean, are you a big reader? You know, I wouldn't say I'm a big reader, but uh when I do read it, it has an impact. 
I, uh, you know, and I don't watch, I mean, compared to a normal person, I, I'm well-versed in, uh, film but compared mm. to some of these fucking cinephiles uh you know i don't fucking i don't you know but i always say it's like uh they say you know the definition of an alcoholic isn't how much you drink it's your relationship with alcohol <laughs> so that's the thing it's my relationship with film and literature you know um mm-hmm. so books raymond carver huge mm. uh in in terms of sparsity and um a sort of understated poeticism uh very economic with language and and structure um hard gritty stories about people in trouble people who have addictions uh alcohol usually in his stories and i'm drawn to telling stories about people who struggle uh in that way because that's that's a struggle that i have uh you know it's a struggle i know a lot about so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. raymond carver big influence i was really into milan kundera at a certain point although i couldn't really tell you the plots of any of his books anymore i don't think i've read any of his no yeah you'd like you'd like i mean i think you'd Mm -hmm. like him i mean he's Mm -hmm. he's a lot of fun very very erotic i remember asking my dad if he liked kundera and he said no and i was like why and he's like i don't like perverts (laughs) and then i was like do you like bukowski and he's like no and i said why he's like i don't i don't like whiners which i actually agree with i think bukowski is extremely whiny i never really i tried bukowski i i didn't i liked post office that novel but i I didn't i didn't eh I don't know. I think Frederick Exley's the the better version mm, of Bukowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever read a fan's Fan, notes? Fan's notes. Yep. yep oh my yep. god, mm-hmm, that's yeah. one of the funniest books. Oh, that's up there mm-hmm. with Confederacy of Dunces or mm-hmm. some of Kurt Vonnegut's funnier stuff. Yeah. Or Norm's yeah. book. Are you a Norm Macdonald fan? I I haven't read his book. I didn't. His no. book is great. It's. About, I mean, I love in, I love his uh, yeah, I love his stand up. The book's actually book. surprisingly good. It's 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 about inversion i would say it's kaufman-esque charlie kaufman-esque huh, uh-huh. um it's a, so it, to answer your question my biggest literary influence is norm mcdonald i love um, it i love it <laughs> i'm reading i'm reading kurt vonnegut right now is it mm. i'm sort of i'm because i hadn't read for a while um because i was not in a great place and it's funny when you i can look back and i think when I, when am i in a depression spiral or when i when i'm not in a great place what's the common denominator mm-hmm. oh, i'm never reading during those mm-hmm. times when i'm in yeah. a lot of mental anguish or i'm very lethargic or i'm not productive so getting back into reading uh fiction um i'm starting with kurt vonnegut because you know it's a he's yeah. profound and it's it's incredible stuff but it's it's you know, the, it's not dense. It's, mm-hmm. it's an easy way to sort of get back into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I love Vonnegut, too. Winesburg, Ohio. That was a big one in high school. Sherwood okay. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a good... Someone recommended... I haven't started it yet, but he, there's a... I think it's called the Vonneguys. It's a podcast. I don't, know, I don't know if they still do it, but they, they go through each... I think, they're, I think they're comedians, and they go through each... Uh, or they attempted to go through each Vonnegut book. Yeah. Um, but yeah no i love i haven't read i forget a lot of them mesh together because i haven't read vonnegut i have a bunch of them but i haven't read for at least 10 years so 
I really would. I need to get back to him because they they're kind of blending together, and I can't remember which one was which. Well, like Woody Allen, like Woody Allen, Kundera is the same way. Um, Yeah, I'm reading Breakfast of Champions now. Mm. Ooh, a lot of N word, Mm -hmm. a lot of N word, (laughs) like (laughs) unrelenting. Um, Yeah, Uh, stiff different times. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Eddie TV that you're watching lately? <laughs> Anything good? Oh, I know man, during the I pandemic, just, I watched a uh, lot of shit during the, you know, during this stuff I wouldn't normally. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I, mean, I, I like to ask what people are watching during this past year, especially. Yeah, I just kind of watch the same TV shows I've always liked. Sopranos, big, mm. big deal with me. So I, um, uh, I get on my indoor bike and just sort of cycle and whenever there's a violent or sexual scene in the sopranos i see i see the speed going up a little bit on the bike so um that helps me james gandolfini that's another guy you just sort of bask in the glory of that of that performance everyone on that show but gandolfini man i actually just watched enough said it's like a romantic comedy with him and julia louis dreyfus and i saw that you know it's it's not a a prof- profound movie but it's a nice little ya movie for adults mm-hmm. yeah um but just to see him uh in a role that's like uh, more true to who he actually was as a human being it's it's right. it's kind of emotional to think that that was his last movie sure yeah. um so sopranos is big and then you know this the twilight zone yeah twilight That's zone for sure like the original twilight zone yeah not yeah, the fucking just, new one the new one i was like <laughs> no, no yeah i love the new i'm the i'm right. the one. one i'm the one person who loves the new twilight zone <laughs> i just had to clarify <laughs> yeah uh, that's great. I just, it's funny you say that cause I just showed a, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and I showed an episode in my philosophy class. Which yesterday. one I guarantee you I've seen it 15 it, times. I think it was, it might've been just been the first one. Is it the, the, is the first one where, um, the guy, he, he like doesn't know who he is and he's in the town yeah. and no, no one's there. And then like, they're doing an, an experiment on him. Um, right, right, so, right. It, yeah. It, I think it's the what, first one, isn't it? Yes. It what made be. you show that to your class? Uh, well, we were, we had been talking about how, um, uh, you know, we we came to a, a discussion where it was like, well, what do you, how do you know something is true? And one of the kids was like, well, if you see it, if you can touch it, blah, blah, blah. And then so we started talking about, well, are your senses accurate? And, and then I it talked about how I was just walking my dog the other day. It's, you know, snow out. I didn't wear gloves. My hands are freezing. Come back in. Um to run my hands underwater and the water's cold initially and my hand it feels like hot water like scalding water right and so it's like you can't necessarily trust your senses so um you know and then they get into the whole because most of them have seen or at least know the concept of the, of the, the matrix film um but a lot of them right. have never heard of the twilight zone so i'm like oh there's a twilight zone episode we should watch and they're like what's the twilight zone i think they'd Is heard it- of, they'd heard the new one and they're like oh no, it's not that one yeah <laughs> is this a philosophy class yeah for for like a 11th and 12th graders mm-hmm. oh interesting yeah okay yeah. cool yeah twilight zone's a great one to show perfect to yeah show to... there's even a, a great book and it's called i have it for the class it's called uh philosophy and the twilight zone and that's what the whole book is like connecting oh cool stuff, so uh but it's cool when you see you know something is um like it's awesome when you see something stand the test of time to like the general population yeah of people. yeah um, so like, uh, there's a couple, uh, like I could show, I teach a film class as well. And 
I'm not the huge. I love. I like Casablanca. I'm not the hugest fan of it, but they they tend to like that movie. I try different old older movies, classics every year. Um, like Casablanca always hits with the majority of them. Like Sunset Boulevard, I get about sure a third of them that really like it, and the rest are at least on their phones and out. Um, but Twilight Zone, it was really cool seeing because most of the kids had never seen or even if they'd heard of it, they'd never seen a classic episode, and they're like oh this is really cool like and now they're gonna hopefully go home and dig into it because that's that that show is just yeah yeah incredible david chase who uh you know is the creator of the sopranos he said that the twilight zone was the first show to have tone Mm. you know it's very true and throughout the sopranos there's references to the twilight zone and actually in the last episode this is some nerdy ass shit but (laughs) this was the the last episode of the sopranos they're they're watching the tv and it's a twilight zone episode where someone's saying just give me a shot at this pilot thing you know so i think david chase likened himself to rod uh serling is it sterling or serling 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 in Mm -hmm. terms of just being a badass guy who's gonna redefine a medium Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. use this medium of television to actually elevate it to the level uh, that they they want to bring it to you know which is uh, you know that of cinema or literature um or you know high art and rod serling's a hero of mine if you look at his journey i mean mm-hmm. he's a guy who fought really hard and put in a lot of time you know working on those one hour dramas mm-hmm. um and really had a lot of integrity and a very clear vision of what he wanted to do and was I, a moralist in the in the best way you know sometimes there are people you know you can use moralist in a um pejorative sense but i think he his values were just right on politically socially mm-hmm. um and he instilled all the episodes with that and he and he, you know he he died a very bitter man because art is not valued in this society <laughs> um but uh yeah he's a he's a hero of mine yeah for sure have you read any of his like uh his like short stories and stuff early on no before. are they good so i i haven't i've read a few the ones i've and i can't i wish i could remember um there's a couple collect i think there's a collection called night i think it's called night and it just has a bunch of short stories that he um put together i think he did a lot i could be wrong on this but i think he put together a bunch of anthologies too where there's other writers in there but i know the stuff that i've read of his the short stories i really liked um yeah but yeah he's just brilliant a, mind I mean, I didn't know he was as young as he was when he died. I mean, I guess, you know, chain smoking will do that to you. But everyone was in the past. Everyone was younger. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know how John Lennon was 14 when he made oh he wrote God. Imagine. But uh, no, obviously, that's not true. But I, I just I haven't. Doesn't it feel like that just in the mm-hmm. in the past? People were mm-hmm. every, people. Just, and now it just our generation, for some reason, everyone's in the bubble for a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, and it just takes people along. I don't know, because I don't think life experience expectancy has actually changed that i know everyone likes to say we're gonna live to right. be 90 but i think everyone's getting a lot later start these days i, I don't know why we're we're in the womb the, yeah uh, so for I, longer somehow it just makes me think of this i was i don't know if you've read uh nathaniel west no um, i don't know who, who okay so his, his big thing he wasn't big like after his death he became kind of notable but um he was more like a writer's writer but his big one was called the day of the locust so like a hollywood um kind of mystery noir type but anyway so the, this guy right here um I, like yeah. in the picture he he died and he's younger than me and so <laughs> yeah, and he looks like stalin or something he does i think he's like yeah he died at 37 i'm 39 and it's like okay they just were i mean 
they were grown-ups. <laughs> well, it was a, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the generational thing where, you know, my grandparents were 20 and 21 when they had my parents, you know, so mm -hmm. it's just like more of an incentive to get off your ass and get a job. And so you're just kind of moving faster. Um, right. You know, you got to get your shit together earlier. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing that we've, that, that the tides have changed a little bit in that way. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's hard to not feel behind the eight ball in certain ways. Um, especially filmmaking, you know, I'm 20, God, I just turned 28. And, and in the past that wouldn't have been, you know, that, that would be young, but fucking it's filmmaking's like rapping now. Like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, he's not, he's, he's 19 and his first film at Sundance is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to meet that kid. You know, um, God. And there's such an emphasis put on age, um, in our society. I there really know. is. Yeah. I did, yeah. I did, um, I did, a. The, the writer Walter Mosley, he did a, uh, those, those master classes that are on, you know, they're always getting, I always get commercials for him. So I, I got, I got a year subscription and he, he just about writing novels. And I think his first novel didn't come out until he was in his late thirties. So he's like, um, he's like, it's like being a writer is one of the things you can come to late in life or be, have success late. And like people are, you can be 60 years old and it's actually helpful in some respects because you have the life experience. But if you want to be, you know, you don't see a lot of actors or musicians <laughs> coming into it when they're 60 yeah. years old. Uh, yeah, musicians, uh, comedians, these, these are things you have to start very early on. Mm -hmm. Acting, I feel like, well, if you've done, if you're just... I, I I don't know if you if you work at Foot Locker and then at fifty you decide maybe I think I want to go in yeah that's that maybe is not going to happen but if you're so many musicians kind of become actors or people mm -hmm. that do other things yeah maybe sli true. slide into acting sure yeah um, yeah yeah I've stumbled into it a little bit I, I uh -huh. was was in a crazy movie uh, called Assholes that I <laughs> it's it's like the thing people message me about a lot young people it's a really hardcore fucking crazy campy nutty uh, a lot of nudity unfortunately <laughs> i i don't know why i agreed to do that but it's a lot of full <laughs> full frontal nudity on my part Ugh. um but yeah so i i know what it's like to sort of slide into acting stumble into it yeah no that's yeah. A <laughs> That's a, that's funny. You get a lot of messages <laughs> for that. Yeah. One. Oh my God. So many kids. Yeah. And then, and then they find out that I was involved in stinking heaven. For some reason, those two things, this, this crop of children coming up that are into like factory 25. It's uh, you know, Mac Grady is the guy who runs it and he, he puts out a lot of these great indies, but there's, they have, I like, I, I see their because sometimes they ask if I can meet them or they can record me or interview me. Mm -hmm. And then they have on Skype, I see it in their dorm or wherever they dwell. It's like just like buzzard poster, just like all these Factory 25 movies. And I'm like, that's cool. But I mean, you know, cinema started before Factory 25. <laughs> and then some of these kids only go back to like Mumblecore. And it's like, mm. my God, start with, you know. Yeah. But uh, I don't even know how we got on that. But um, <laughs> assholes. Yeah, people come up to me about that one uh I'll check it out <laughs> no i i mean it's if if you're scared of a of a of a 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want, I guess I shouldn't disparage my, my body any, any more than I already have. <laughs> I'm on porn hub or one yeah. of the porn things. Oh, because, wow. yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not an just, accomplishment. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Well, it's because of the girl, the, the, my co-star Betsy Brown, who's a fantastic actress. Uh, that's why it's up there. It's not, it's, I'm sure they're, they're just blocking me out when they, when they watch those videos, they, they put one hand on the screen, trying to get me out of there um yeah i love it um well back, back to slam dance and we can we can wrap it up but I'm, I'm so i know um it's a bummer but the joshua tree thing was canceled unfortunately um right but but they have uh are there like workshops and q a's and different things going on are you going to be able to participate in, it, in any of those during the festival no i don't I mean, I didn't find out about the Joshua tree until yeah. this year. And it was already yeah. like, you're not invited, like in the invite, <laughs> I got the invitation and then the invitation ended with you're not invited. An uninvitation. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're, cause you're not in the California vicinity or something. Uh, and then, and then it, they just canceled it altogether. So yeah, no, that's not happening. And I don't know, uh, workshop wise, what's, what's going on or if mm. much, I mean, it's hard. No one knows sure. how to do this yet. So everyone's yeah. learning everyone's learning how to do this as we go and hopefully yeah. things can kind of go back to normal soon but yeah hopefully you know. next year we can get you you know get stuff rolling again um yeah but i think i think sundance as far as like keeping a, like a rigid schedule i think they they pulled it off pretty well um as you know you had you had to get your ticket your your e-ticket and then you you go into like a little waiting room and you can chat with people at uh and then you this have is for to, the filmmakers can do that. Um, no, this is for just like the the people who like like press. They have one for press, and then there's one I think for just anyone seeing the film. Um, and I think I think some of the filmmakers would hop on if they wanted to, you know. Um, but then they would you'd watch the film, and then you'd watch the Q and A live if you wanted to, and you you could come back to it. So they kind of like they kept it more like it wasn't so much on demand like you had opportunities but there was like very tight windows and then you couldn't like i had a couple films i couldn't finish them all the way i got halfway through and then i couldn't and then the next day it was gone so i wasn't able to watch it which sucked yeah. um but i think they wanted to keep like the you know the excitement or whatever of the festival but so i think that it was cool i think they pulled it off but i'm excited the way slam dance has it where you you just have it like a channel on your roku or computer or whatever and then you can pick through an on-demand um and have two full weeks to do it because sundance they actually shortened it it was just about a week and it's typically two and then slam dance extended theirs from a week yeah. to two weeks for this so that's really cool yeah i think it's great and it's so simple as you said i mean it's just like any roku channel mm -hmm. um yeah. so yeah i think it's great what they're doing and i think it's great that they were able to pull it off this quickly and you know it's, yeah. it's a tall order um to figure out a way to do this yeah during the time yeah. we're in so definitely well i hope i get slam dance yeah definitely absolutely i hope i get to meet you at some festival at some point yeah for uh, sure may maybe 2022 you have something out there again uh but this like i'm telling yeah. you man I'm, I'm so happy you reached out because this was like this was hilarious i mean i i was showing my wife it too and she like we don't wow. usually align comedically with stuff at a she yeah. was she was busting up so it's 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 incredible stuff and i i can't wait to see more from from you so 
Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. I, uh, I, my, I, I, my treatment on this podcast was, uh, much better than, uh, on the, bre- <laughs> the breeze more than three minutes. All right. <laughs> yeah. So well, thanks, cool, man. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was, it was nice meeting me. you and, and, um, let's keep in touch. If you have stuff, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see anything that you have, um, created. So just like, let me know. And I'm happy to, to put it out there. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Take it easy. Okay, you too. We'll see you later. Thanks, Trey. Yep.